0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures! Uh, half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy! <laughs> <sighs>
1: "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The mailbag was hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that our listeners soon would be there. "'When outside Dan's house there arose such a clatter, Dan sprang from his mic to see what was the matter. "'Upon seeing the crime, a lost wheelie-bin,' Dan loaded his gun and poured a stiff gin. The question remains, who pulled off such a stunt? God help the poor fellow if Dan catches the scallywag. Dan's story, though sad, is one of life's little treasures. Happy Christmas to all, from all at half measures.
0: That is great, Paul, but how dare you bring up the wheelie bin on Christmas
1: Eve? It's one of my favourite memories. It's one of my favourite memories. That is outrageous.
0: And if I find out that wheelie bin's at your house... Heaven help if, <laughs> the canal is for for many years to come.
1: If you see a, a Christmas present under your tree that looks kind of kind of large and sort of like, wow, that looks like a, well, you, you know what it's going to be. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Amazing. My apologies Amazing. to uh, Clement Clark Moore for butchering his a visit from St. Nicholas. But hey, it is the night before Christmas then. It is Christmas Eve pod. It's the perfect pre-Christmas day present for our listeners, right?
0: It is indeed. It is indeed. We are we're so close to the to Christmas, to the end, to hopefully a a break for many. So it's good times.
1: It is. It is indeed, Dan. So um, for the I guess you know the the final pre Christmas time. What have you been watching this week?
0: Straight into it. Well, um, I've actually resumed my Marvel rewatch, which oh, yeah. uh, we took a little bit of a I hope accidental kind of hiatus on i guess um so we have come back and we have watched uh, avengers infinity war and uh avengers uh, endgame so i'll start with infinity war so this is kind of like culminating the whole sort of the marvel stories over the last sort of 10 plus years and so infinity war first came out in 2018 and this is kind of really about thanos bringing together Um, all the infinity stones, this is the infinite snap where it wipes out 50% of um, all living beings, we get a whole bunch of the Avengers, um, over half of them sort of disappear into dust, it sort of leaves everything in in ruins and this is a a fantastic movie Paul, like it's so great because we've got so many of the, all of the Avengers coming together in a way we haven't quite seen before, it's action-packed, it's funny it's sad. It's it kind of leaves you in a state of like, oh, God, how they're gonna they're gonna get back from this. And and watching it, it really reminded me of like we had to wait a year to find out what what happened at the end of this movie. Like this movie ended basically with the snap that wiped everyone out, and we're just like, what, 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 what how are we gonna get these people back? We had the famous scene between um, Iron Man and Spider Man where. Um, Tom Holland's character's like, I can't remember Zach Zach Woods now that I'm on the spot, but he's like, Mr. Stark, and he's, you slowly turning to dust. It's, it's, it's a fantastic movie.
1: This is one of the big ones. This is, I was just looking at the box office. This is the fifth highest all time. So this is one of the, the big ones. And it's, I remember I did watch Age of Ultron and not got much out of that. And I sort of never went back to Infinity War, but, um, Infinity War and Endgame, I I gather, are uh, the real deal and not to be missed.
0: They are they are definitely the real deal, and I think you know Age of Ultron is such a, a, a different type of movie to this. Whereas this is really, I think, really just I think bringing to life that whole sort of comic book nature, and I think just bringing so many. Um, big heroes onto the screen at once, and I think they couldn't. You couldn't make a movie like this without putting in all the legwork that they have done with the, you know, twenty plus movies that came before this. Because you needed those backstories, you needed those characters, you needed all to, um, all of that sort of context to happen for this movie to work. And I think Kevin Feige having the the vision to get to this point, just incredible.
1: Yeah, this is the one I recall where Tom Holland was not allowed to read the script because oh, he, the, the he, next he one. Oh, was it Oh, okay, I yeah. thought it was this one. Yeah. Okay, okay.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, so Tom Holland uh notorious for um spoilers and accidentally ruining things and going live on Instagram and TikTok and you know having things in his room and scripts and posters that he he shouldn't be showing to people. So I'll move on to the the next movie. So in my mind, I always thought Endgame was probably my favourite of the two. But in my rewatch, I found so the, the first part one, Infinity War, so much more action-packed and so much more more fun. Whereas when you jump into Endgame, I think Endgame is a still a, a top-tier, fantastic movie. I think this one has a bit of a, a slower burn that sort of ends in a, in a huge, epic um, superhero fight that like we've never seen before. But the, obviously, the part two of this is very much around the Avengers are in disarray. Um, they're trying to do what they can. They're trying to work out how they can get everyone back. They've lost family. They've lost friends, um, and it's it's kind of a little bit chaotic for them and a little bit more of a slow burn. Thor's let himself go. He's definitely put on some pounds. <laughs> um, it's you know there's some, some good sort of funny moments like that. But you know the, the whole movie of this is actually based on them working out. Actually how can we how can we bring in time travel? How can we get the stones back? How can we change the timeline so that the so that we we basically stop the events happening? And it kind of is one of those movies where like and it's almost like anything with time travel, right? Like you can't think too much about it because as soon as you start questioning any of the time travel logic, you start breaking everything that's possible but I think this is a, a just another fantastic movie um, we have the the very sort of famous very sort of memeable um, moment where uh, dr. Strange opens up all the um, all the portals we've got all the heroes coming back a huge huge fight scene where every single hero from all of the movies is is back fighting and it's it's just so good it's an emotional end um, we obviously Lose a couple of the, the key Avengers at the very end Who go down different paths But such a, a fantastic end to this sort of phase of, of the Marvel movies
1: The cast is just outrageous, isn't it? I mean, I don't know that they'll ever be able to Other than this franchise What what franchise could ever pull together a cast like this And, and pull in as much money So this is number two of all time Only behind Avatar in terms of money Incredible
0: Yeah, no, so... And so, really, top of it. and one of the things which um, has really been driving us to um, get back on this Marvel rewatch is we, we were so close to the end, and we just kind of got uh, accidentally sort of derailed. But it's so it was so good to go back. And what's actually pushing us is we want to go and see the new Spider Man movie that yes. that's out at the movie theaters. So um, we're just in the process of um, watching Spider um, Spider Man Far From Home, which is the movie that comes after Endgame. Uh, we'll still need to watch um, Shang Chi, but. I understand it's not quite as immediately connected, so then we'll be able to go and see Spider Man over the Christmas break, and that'll be fantastic. Spider Man is a definitely a favourite of mine. Great character. I love the comedy. Um, I think you know Tom Holland sort of is the he's, he's the perfect package for Spider Man. He does Peter Parker well. He does Spider Man well. Um, it's it's just. It's such a good watch. I have really enjoyed it, and I think it's going to be. There's so much more great Marvel content to come, and then when you add in the TV shows, you add in the future phases. It's a it's a great space if you're a superhero fan.
1: Very exciting, and the guys like Robert Downey Jr. and that are they are they done? Is that?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess this is sort of where it gets complicated, right? Like, in the in the comic world, um, you know, characters die and come back regularly. Um, I think, you know, from everything that we've sort of seen and everything that we know, I think, yes, um, probably done in the movies for now. We might get cameos of them mm. back, or we might get, you know, I think the the next phase of the Marvel journey is almost focusing on the, the next phase of Marvel heroes. So, you know, I think when you have Robert Downey Jr. and the, the Tony the Iron Man's, the, the Chris Hemsworth's and the, He's obviously going to be around a little bit more, but the, maybe the Chris Evans um, who plays Captain America, they take a lot of the limelight when they're on stage because they are sort of the core big heroes. And it's kind of, I think, nice the way they've done it. They've given them a, a huge kind of 10-year arc, and now they're bringing in the next generation, which I think is pretty cool.
1: One last thing, Dan. The, gu- the guys who directed both these movies, the, the Rousseau brothers, how do you go from, I am just looking at their, their stuff, they they did You, Me and Dupree was their last movie before they jumped into Marvel and they they were Community the comedy TV show which um, you and I have both watched um, and then suddenly they go from you, me, and Dupree and they're straight into Captain America and then directing two of, of the top five box office of all time how does that even happen that's incredible
0: I think it's it's funny you bring that up because I've been looking at a few directors like this of, of late and you know quite a few directors go from like one or two kind of like kind of indie projects and yeah. then they just like fan off snap, you're into the big games and you just get like taken on a big journey and it's like you get one win under your belt and that's it. In fact sometimes you don't even need a big win. Like it makes me wonder Paul, should we be directed movies?
1: This, like, this I, like, is it, this is our indie project and next year yeah. I'll be on the BBC and and you'll be presumably working for Disney.
0: I love that. Well, we'll also be consulting for Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> yes, I love full that. Time. You know, you don't even have to go by your names like the Russo brothers. Like, would go like yeah. the half the half measures guys or something. You know, yeah. like, yeah. and it's just like you just get known by that, and and that's what you're all about. But it's pretty awesome. And I think, like, what a, you know, I feel like, and maybe this is through my own sort of uh, naive worldview. Like, like if I. If I think about it back when I was at school, if you are, want to be a filmmaker, you would have to really be pushing outside the box so hard to get yourself into that pathway. Whereas I feel awesome. like in today's age, the world is so much more set up for people to be like, I want to do these things that I'm passionate about and how awesome it is and how accessible. You know, like you, know, you can jump on YouTube. You that's start sort of making your own home movies straight away. So it's, it's an exciting world.
1: It is. Anything else for you, Dan?
0: Uh, That is me, apart from our uh, Yellowstone watch, but we'll talk about that with you. So yeah, now I'll hand over to you.
1: Cool, cool. Okay, so um, for me, uh, moving along into the next James Bond movie, For Your Eyes Only. Um, This is 1981, so we've made it into the 80s, but the music in this one, other than the theme... Music, the music throughout this movie is so 70s, it's so disco, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, James Bond is assigned to find a missing British vessel equipped with an ATAC, a deadly weapons device, um, and to try and prevent it from falling into Emily hands. This is the first of many John Glenn-directed Bond movies. Um, I feel like with the exception of Licence to Kill, which is the final Timothy Dalton movie um, before... Um, Brosnan takes over. I feel like this is definitely the movie that I remembered the least and it turns out in watching it that maybe it's not because I saw it the least but also because it's really not overly memorable it's it's okay and it's not even bad really it just doesn't have much of a standout thing that makes it stick in your memory it doesn't doesn't do that much and even i mean roger moore is fine but even he's kind of going through the motions a little bit so um so this was fine it's always it's always fun to sit down and watch a bond on a friday night type thing but um yeah it's not one of the greatest if i'm honest
0: it's got another interesting poster doesn't it like it's a poster i don't know if would work in uh 2021, no, I don't but think it's so. uh, it's kind of a classic for its time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we're kind of that. That's sort of this 80s run of Bond is sort of peaking in that sort of um, pushing that boundary, pushing the, where they were going in that direction, and I think it's definitely uh, you know, how it's come. To if you think about how the Daniel Craig movies play it and the Daniel Craig posters, you know it's uh, it's a million miles away from it. But it's for the time it seemed to work, and it's it's still enjoyable to watch. The villain in this one is um, Christatos, who's played by Julian Glover, who you then might recognise from Game of Thrones as uh, Grand Meister Pythel or Pikel. Um, he was also in Indiana Jones and of course he was General Veers in Empire Strikes Back um, and what's funny is I think all of those roles were more memorable than this one the The only thing in this movie that I thought was good was that he was introduced to us as an ally and then later on you realise he's actually the big, the big villain but as villains go he's so, and the whole plot is centered around General Veers trying to get his hands on this ATAC, the ATAC, the this automatic targeting attack computer, um, and it's just it just doesn't do enough. But um, there are some other interesting things I picked up on. Um, it Introduces the character of Tanner, who of course becomes part of the main, you know, MI6 cast in the Daniel Craig movies, and it also has this really bizarre opening sequence with Blofeld, who we haven't seen for ten years as he's presumed dead at the end of Dominance of Forever. He turns up in the first minute, and within five minutes, Bond has picked him up via a helicopter and dropped him down a chimney, and we won't see him again until he's rebooted in the 2015 movie Spectre. So I'd totally forgotten he was even in this until this rewatch.
0: Mm, it's interesting isn't it i've been thinking a lot about this this james bond rewatch that you're doing and i think i'm so just unfamiliar with all of the roger moore movies and i think it's because i've got this weird prejudice towards like my favorite james bonds are sean connery daniel craig and i have some okay memories about Pierce Brosnan but yeah. I feel like the other James Bonds have never resonated with me as much for some weird reason and I just wonder whether when I was young watching these movies I was just like look Sean Connery or Bust what are you doing changing this up I'm, I'm not too sure
1: yeah it's it is interesting and now I've got so used to seeing Roger Moore over these last sort of four movies it's he's become the who I think of now because that's that's where I've been for the last month but I know, I know what you mean it's uh I'm, I'm looking forward to a change, with all due respect to Roger, I'm looking forward to a change just mainly because of the, the direction that we're going, the humour, the there's too many raised eyebrows, like I said last week. So, um, But as a rewatch, it is still a lot of fun. There's a lot of incredible stunts in this movie, possibly the best to date in terms of where we're at at this point, uh, the stunts. There's less gadgets, um, sort of. But after Moonraker and The Spy Who Loved Me, it's probably not up to those standards. But hey, they can't all be blockbusters, right? Indeed. Uh, other than that the other thing I was going to talk about that I've finished watching um, and this is four seasons and I've just we've just watched the the final season this is Atypical uh, which is on Netflix Um, this is a very bingeable series it's about uh, Sam who's an 18 year old on the autism spectrum and it's basically about his life he decides he wants to find a girlfriend and then his mum has sort of a midlife crisis um as soon as he's sort of seeking independence and is this a show you've come across or watched
0: yeah i've watched i think season one and maybe a bit of season two I, i quite enjoyed it i don't quite recall why i haven't finished it but maybe i've seen both seasons season one and two but i haven't i definitely haven't seen seasons three and four
1: yeah it's it's a very easy watch it's a it's a really nice uh palette cleanser there's a lot of you know you know heartfelt moments and just like with um curb your enthusiasm i feel like the world would uh, would benefit from having more people in it like sam in this movie he's 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 really good all of the main cast are great in their roles so um Keir Gilchrist is, is the leader, Sam. And then you've also got uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is the mum. Uh, Michael Rappaport, who I always remember basically from Prison Break. He's the dad. Um, and Bridget Lundy-Payne is the sister. And the four of them, they're the main ones. And um, there's a lot of really good dynamics. The stories are always really awkward. All the characters are doing things that you really wish they, they wouldn't. And I think where the gold is for me is how Sam reacts to something exactly as it is with no filter there's and and not in like a oh i'll just call it how it is no filter kind of way but with a genuine innocence of no filter there's the, and there's almost faultless logic to how he how he calls things out and how he sees things and a great intelligence behind every observation he makes and it's it's really really well done
0: yeah no i i've always really enjoyed the show and i think like you said palate cleanser is a great word and i've i've always. Whenever I watch it, I always found like Sam's character so endearing, yeah. and I, I think yeah. you're right. It's it's the, it's kind of just the the call it as you see it, but not in an offensive way. That's just it. in a trying to understand the universe and how it works. And I think, and I, I imagine this is potentially controversial in the the autism world, but I kind of like that it you know, autism is almost like such a common thing these days. It's almost kind of normalizing some of these characteristics and behavior. It doesn't, have, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a big problem. It can be, I mean, obviously there's different, you know, it's a spectrum, right? But it's, I think it, it brings some light to a, a topic that I imagine a lot of people don't understand.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think, I love the word you use there, endearing, because that is exactly how he comes across. And, and you're right. And also that, that they don't, you know, they don't have any, jokes at sam's expense there's no uh, there's no belittling belittling of him for being autistic and anytime someone in the show actually even remotely does that it's immediately dealt with and as the audience you have this really strong empathy for how um sam sees the world and 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 uh, it's it is it's yeah it's it's really nice there's uh the, the relationship with the sister is probably the most hilarious of all it's, um there's a lot of humor yeah. there and all the all the family dynamics are heightened or i guess they feel well um well not your typical dynamics because they're living with someone who sees the world just a little differently and and who can really suffer in you know if he walks into a room that's just too noisy that 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 will have a a huge impact on him and it's um i would say that perhaps the i don't want to put you off because i know you 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 mentioned you started i would say possibly the final season isn't as strong um but overall as as four seasons i think this is it was like striking gold for me i loved it
0: do you think they they this up well because i yeah uh, yeah i think i do remember there was something about it being i don't know whether cancelled is the right word but they
1: were going to conclude at the fourth season. Yeah. So how do I say this? I don't, as I said, I don't think the final season was as strong, but because they knew it was their last, they had the opportunity to do it properly and wrap it up properly, as opposed to what we've talked about in the past, where you sort of find out two episodes before and try and do everything quickly. So I think they did, did wrap it up. Well, as a package, I think if you were to watch it in one go, I think it would be, would be probably a lot more satisfying than if you were to, Maybe have a break like you have, I would say, because I think the gold, the, the, the really good gold, is right at those, those first two and a half seasons. Good stuff. But, yeah, on Netflix, definitely worth a watch. And, yeah, other than that, Dan, it's the stuff we've watched together.
0: Shall we jump on over to Yellowstone Season 4, Episode 8? But Before we do that, Paul, I feel like we've got maybe a, a small apology for the audience if they've been following along with us.
1: Yes, uh, we we need to apologise for the fact that we trusted IMDB because that's what we go with. And most other sites as well that basically listed eight episodes of Yellowstone's. And then all of a sudden, two other episodes popped up and suddenly we've got 10 episodes.
0: It's a real um, slip in the face, isn't it? Because it's like, well, it's, so maybe that's not quite the right saying because it's like, how, how dare you, you know, provide this misinformation to the half Measures podcast on the flip side, hell yeah. Give me two more episodes of Yellowstone. So it's like, yeah. I don't know how to feel like it's like, ah, great.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm stoked. And look from, from our point of view, we, neither of these episodes will be available before Christmas anyway. And the final episode isn't till next year. So I guess from a, from a this year point of view, We're still going to have these eight and then we'll have Christmas and and, and whatever. And I'm delighted because I hate a short season. And now I see we've got the space and time to ramp up a little bit more. So um, but anyway, let's uh, let's talk about this week's episode. Then Uh, the episode title, No Kindness for the Coward.
0: Indeed, so tensions escalate with the protesters, but Beth has a plan. Jimmy and Emily get closer. Monica and Casey share a special moment. So another interesting episode, Paul. Like, I would say just continuing the storyline, and then they ramp the action up to 100 uh, in the final sort of few minutes of this one. But I thought it was another one just kind of moving the story forward. Um, in, a, in a great classic Yellowstone way, but this, well, without necessarily the high tension that some episodes have.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. It, it, it did exactly what you said. What I, what I do want to ask you, can we just quickly jump into the start of the episode though, Dan? Am I right in thinking, so at the start we're getting scenes from the past. Are they drip fitting us scenes and, and characters that we're going to see in 1883 or what's going on there?
0: I'll tell you Paul, I was triggered. <laughs> I was like I was Paul Canal triggered with these fans oh, wow. because
1: that's big triggered.
0: So so we're we're back in time. Uh, we're sort of a bit more sort of classic Yellowstone Wild Wild West. So we know the new T V show is called eighteen eighty three. It kind of had some eighteen eighty three vibes, and I was like, if they like if this purely is just a teaser trailer for um, for the new TV show. I'm going to be mad because I can't access the new TV show yet. But at the same time, like, it didn't really have necessary – I don't know about you, but it didn't have a lot of requirement for what was coming, apart from kind of just sort of showing the, I don't know, the ethos of uh, Yellowstone and running the land and how tricky it was and yeah. and even just, you know, punishing the horse thieves and how how brutal the West is. But it's, it's all kind of things that we – no do you know what i mean so it was interesting i I, in fact i had a little bit of trouble placing because was one of the characters was john right
1: well okay so this is my first question because at first when they were mentioning john like what if they're mentioning the name john they're letting us know that that is is john then we have this other guy who i thought was lloyd because he had like the handlebar mustache but then if this is eighteen eighty three, so was is, is, is it Lloyd's dad? And if it it can't be John because he's not around in eighteen eighty three, so what's going no, on? So
0: no, I, I like
1: I'm I'm
0: sure with uh, probably about three Google searches we could probably find out the name of John Dallen's father, and it's probably John as well, yeah. or John's grandfather or something. It's high risk, um, but it it did it it left me with weird questions for the, start of the episode because as you say, I had the is this an eighteen eighty three kind of like teaser is this like who are these characters in the context of the Yellowstone universe and it obviously matters because I think Yellowstone's a very sort of smart clever tv show and they don't give you stuff that's not relevant to what you know yeah what's what's relevant to sort of move the story along so but yeah I it did leave me with the same questions so I'm glad you brought that up
1: yeah and interesting to see um because it has Faith Hill uh who played Margaret Dutton um and I she is attached to 1883. I see. So, look, as soon as Paramount Plus becomes available here in New Zealand, which presumably will be in a Christmas stocking this year, um I guess we'll we'll jump on this, and it will all make sense as we put it together. But for this episode, Dan, I agree with you. As you said at the start, it was just moving things along. Um, the <laughs> okay, I'll cut to the start. I'm now going to quickly cut to the end. We can talk about the stuff in the middle afterwards, maybe. But I need to cut to the end. I Yellowstone is a is a show that works for me, and I think for you, because it's very it's very real, it's very realistic. And it, but when I see John and Rip trying to play the Dukes of Hazard and try and pull off some kind of rescue uh, at a at a cafe that's been held up, that winds up with multiple shootings and at least one death, I have to ask, was that really? the right course of action for these two very intelligent, very capable guys. Um because realistically what were these people ever gonna get away with from a, a diner hold up? And now we've got death and, and multiple shootings. It was great action. I w- <laughs>
0: I wonder, Paul, if they actually toned it down for what was maybe originally intended. Because, in my mind, when they walked back to their truck, yep. I honestly thought Rip was going to drive that truck through the window <laughs> of the diner, and I thought to myself, he's going to not only ruin this business, he's going to like just like cause so much damage, but it's all going to be like Yellowstone worth it, just to you know to stop the holdup. And I thought it was actually quite low key, but okay, the you know. John's running for governor and he's just out there like with his rifle, just capping people like they've just got no crimes in the world. He's like, you know, picking up the phone, talking to, you know, the cop's daughter, like nothing's all right here, darling. You know, like it's, <laughs> <clears throat> it's just, uh, oh. it's, it was a great Yellowstone moment, but sometimes these moments, remind you of the over-the-topness of the show at the same time
1: yeah it, it, and that's that's i guess the point i was getting up there is i i like it when it feels so real that it's um it's tangible and that just yeah it, for some reason it just had a juice of heads a moment and i love the idea of rip driving the truck through the because you know he would have come out the other side and the vehicle would have been imperfect it would have been like fast and the furious it would have been like you know vin diesel he would have been absolutely fine
0: it's funny you say that, eh? Because every time I see the truck or I see, like, Beth, like, rocking around in her black Mercedes, their cars are a pristine condition. Yeah. Or, like, I drive my car five minutes down the street and it's covered in dust and mud and I live in the city. <laughs> so I don't understand the constantly clean cars. But, yeah, you're right. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think when Rip and John go off the grid, it makes sense in the context of Yellowstone, right? Like, so... When they took out all those bikers that were kind of on their land, mm. kind of makes sense because it's like this is our land, we're going to defend it, yeah. and what goes on Yellowstone stays on Yellowstone. But I think when you go into the public arena, it's a different world. Yeah, like you're not a livestock agent anymore. The the cops actually died, so this is pretty major, right? Like there'd exactly. be a huge investigation into that. Like, what was your role in it? Why were you there? But at the same time, you know, it's an open carry state. It's it's crazy.
1: And so we've talked about this in the past about how how are they getting away with these big things well you know jamie's actually putting strings and getting it well jamie's not going to be doing that right now um given the situation with the with the jamie story and i feel like i feel like we're not actually getting enough jamie story and i really hope there's more in the last two episodes because uh, i really want to see what he's doing i still feel like alongside this story of the 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 fight to build airports and casinos across the valley of montana and ruin the land the main the other main story for the show has to be the jamie story and i want to see the resolution of this attack against the duddons at the end of season three um and jamie's story is key to that so he won't be helping out with the cover-up for what's what's gone on at this diner that's for sure
0: I've got, this, I've got this weird feeling, Paul, that someone's going to need to um, – so, so, sorry, I guess two things. You're right, I think we need more Jamie context because all we get is kind of mopey Jamie in mm. um, a little bit of each episode. Uh, but the other thing I'm thinking that could happen is, you know how like John Dutton is I know the person who, you know, organised the hit on us, which ultimately we all know leads yep. to Jamie, yep. uh, or Jamie's dad, um, is I think – John is going to need one of the cowboys to go to jail and finish this guy because the last I love link, that. and, you know, you know how, like, I was sort of like, oh, maybe it's, maybe Lloyd's done. Like, maybe this is Lloyd's last job, you know, like, or because most of those cowboys have done time, right? Like, oh, yeah. someone's going to need to go and live up to the brand one last time. That is
1: a great story. If that turns out, honestly, you, you keep calling things. This time last year, you called Luke Skywalker. We all remember that this time have you called it with the prison the prison I don't know it,
0: it's a bit of a stretch but it just it's got that feeling to me of like the fact that John brought it up in this episode mm. um I think the cop obviously the meeting the cop at the diner was kind of that we need to talk to him about how we're going to speed up the the interaction um I think there's going to have to be some way to get to it but in saying that uh, I don't, I don't know how it would work, but it feels like the type of thing that could happen in this type of show. And because stuff like that has happened in Sons of Anarchy and I feel like it's got a very Sons of Anarchy type vibe to it.
1: The uh, the other story in this one, Dan, uh, I feel like I'm getting sopping my old age because I am I just love this Jimmy story. He's seems to, uh, he seems to have really got himself a good relationship with some of those K-boys um, at the ranch. He's, um, he's uh, obviously... You know, he's gone out and had dinner with uh, with Emily, and they seem to be getting along very well. And I was kind of confused, thinking, "Oh, Jimmy, should you be doing this?" But I guess he did split up with what well, I've already forgotten her name back at
0: Yellowstone. Yeah, but, um, yeah.
1: but uh, I well, she's seeing. kind of
0: disappeared, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, is she? I keep waiting for her to turn up and kind of be like, no, I still love you, Jimmy. And I imagine that's going to happen because that feels like a real sort of cowboy like love song waiting to happen. Um, but, yeah, it is, I think, good on Jimmy. And I think what they have done quite well is – You know, I talked about maybe they need a bit of a time jump to really understand what Jimmy's doing, but I actually think they're doing that naturally through each episode. You know, like, here's five to ten minutes of Jimmy. You're seeing him as a better rider. He's better at catching the horses. He's not so much the clown of the ranch anymore. Like, people kind of respect him, Um, probably not fully, but they're showing his growth quite quickly. So, you know, he could potentially come back next season to Yellowstone as a full-on cowboy.
1: Is he going to prison? Is he the one?
0: Nah. You've got to, you don't send you don't send someone like him to prison. You've got to, you actually need to send Rip. Rip's the person you want to go to prison, but Rip's too off the grid and he's too integral to the to the ranch and you can't have Beth firing off at you for that type of thing. So it's really gotta be one of the old guys.
1: Uh, okay. that's a really good poll to open up to everyone who's going to prison who who would you send and why because yeah you're right yeah. Je- rip, rip, rip would be the best to send in there straight away yeah yeah so good.
0: I think there's a few other things I think in this episode that we should have a chat about too like so the the dinner table scene <laughs> with like, like Beth is a bloody hot rocket isn't she like it's like they just sit down at dinner and she's already firing off like it's their first dinner it's like just calm down but I love that like Rip is kind of the only one that can kind of manage her and be like like he doesn't try to fight her, he's no, just like...
1: That's right. He's like a he sed- He's
0: kind of says, cool your jets in a cool way. He's
1: like a sedative for her in some respect. Yeah. He's, just, he's just finds a way to... John's face at that dinner table when he's trying to comprehend what Beth is saying is he's trying to just enjoy a meal that he doesn't even want to eat because it's too healthy for him. And yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they still have not made it through a single meal at that table, at least none of the ones that they've televised. And now, of course, it seems like they've moved to this new table where perhaps some of those triggers and traumas from childhood have, have been removed and now they can have a, a nice meal together and uh, and the kids seem to be having a great time.
0: Well, I think there's something so symbolic about that table, right? The fact that John sits at the head. Yeah. There's a real sort of like order and hierarchy to it. The empty seats kind of obviously remind John of the, you know, the, the family that's kind of moved on and, mm. and no longer with them. And I think there's something kind of wholesome about the round table kind of equalising everybody. Um, and I think it's also interesting just from a, a Yellowstone hierarchy point of view, how um, Carter is allowed, you know, he's kind of at the table now and he's kind mm-hmm. of like, you've literally gone from kind of like homeless kid to living in like the horse stables to now you're in the, you're in the main house with the top dog having like good meals and all that sort of stuff, which I think it, it was awesome for Carter, but it's, it's quite a jump for him in station. And I imagine this is going to be another sort of like, Character derailing moment because I feel like him and Ripper getting closer, yep. and I wonder whether when it comes to actually doing doing the mahi or doing the work, is is that going to work that relationship? Is it going to be too familiar?
1: I think you're right. I, I I'm going to go on the record with a little prediction because I I. F- feel what you just said uh, was going through my mind they're building him up there you know he's having chocolate cake he's he's having a great time at the table he's he's forming good relationships and I'm feeling like is this the story where they're going to build him right up and then something's going to happen to Carter and that is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and 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 so I don't know I'm not sure but I just feel like they're 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 taking this kid on a journey and every time they build him up they put him back down I'm thinking will something unthinkable happen with this kid
0: He's also kind of Filled the role of Tate Right Like so You know Tate being the The grand Like Casey's kid oh, yeah, And yeah. the grandson of John Um And I think you know John really loved Having Tate there yes. As his grandson
1: Yeah
0: And I think Having this like Young kid there Is kind of giving John Like another You know like Here have this Rattlesnake tail. Like let me teach you <laughs> The ways of the west Like it, it's kind of cool Like I think You know John in a classic Grandfather type way Is looking to right The wrongs of the past And you know, yeah. actually probably doesn't really have a lot of a lot of friends and stuff. And, yeah, it's kind of
1: sweet. I love that scene when the box came out with the rattlesnake tail in it. I, I was laughing even before he'd opened it because I just knew that they were going to play a trick on him straight away. It's the sort of thing I would probably do. It was just a great scene. The Tate, the Tate observation is really good as well because, you know, we, we've got Jimmy Dane in Texas. We've got um uh Casey and partner. I can't remember her name. Sorry. Oh, over there. Monica. Monica. Yeah. and And – And it's kind of, yeah, they're all separated out and it's kind of like, where, you know, where are those stories going? What's, what's going to keep that driving? What's going to keep it interesting? And how's it all going to come together? I'm really, I'm really, really excited now that we've got these two episodes because I feel like something's going to bring it all together. And if nothing else set up for a massive season five.
0: I think you're right. Like, and it's kind of interesting with Casey, right? Because he's kind of so he's a, he's a livestock agent, which he seems to you know work at about three hours a week. Um, he's doing a lot of work with the uh, with the the Indian chief and some of his crew. He's he he. I think he's a key character to the ranch, but like I feel like when he's not really interconnected to the main story in a big way yeah. at the
1: moment. No, you're right. And I realise that I'm just constantly saying the same thing, and I can't keep saying. Like now I'm thinking about um, Thomas Rainwater and um, and Moses brings plenty. Those two, I, I want to say, oh, we need more story for them. I want to, I want what's going on with them. I keep saying about all these characters. I, I need more story for these people. I need more of it. It's um, what I need is 16 episodes each season. Then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think what, what what we need is to just watch all of this at once, so you can just really embrace the story. It's Correct. it's it's not made for episode by episode watching, even though we're still having a great time. But it's um, I think it's just it's a great show to binge. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, Paul, that's uh season four, episode eight of Yellowstone, and as we say, two more episodes to wind up the season. Um, but it'll be it'll be kind of next year that we'll be talking about this.
1: Yeah, no, I look forward to. To that conversation because as I say I imagine something's going to happen and I'll be keeping I'll be keeping your predictions close to mind
0: shall we head on over to the movie of the week
1: indeed so each week as we have all oh year Dan and I take it in turns choose a movie to watch and review and we post that movie in our discord community so you can watch along with us this week Dan the movie of the week is *The Last Jewel.
0: Yeah, so this is the latest movie by Ridley Scott. Came out in twenty twenty one. You can watch it here in New Zealand on Neon. Um, this is a, a fascinating movie to talk about, Paul. I feel like it's it's been like it's it's been in the media a bit. It's been quite hype. Like there hasn't been a lot of um, movies that have I think big blockbusters that have come out in the last few years or when they have that's you know there's obviously been lots of pandemic considerations and I think to to pull off these sorts of movies at the moment is a, is a is a big feat and so this movie's also had a bit of publicity from Ridley Scott who hasn't overly enjoyed some of the the critic reviews and the the lack of sort of movie attendance but this is a long movie this is a, a two hour and thirty two minute movie and so it's basically the Last Jewel is about these. These two characters um, with their French names, Sir Jean de Carouge, and um, uh, who's played by Matt Damon, and then we've got Adam Driver who plays um, Jacques Legris, and they are you fluent in French,
1: friends? Dan? My goodness, I never knew you had this in, so, in your I'm locker. Um,
0: we've, we've also got Batman slash Ben Affleck <laughs> as um, <laughs> Paddy de Um but this is basically the main the main premise of this story is. Matt Damon's character and Adam Driver's characters um, basically start off as best friends. A uh, pretty serious incident happens, and we'll, we'll just call it out, which basically Matt Damon's wife is is um, is has been raped or accused, and Adam Driver's character is, is accused of that rape. And it basically is the their friendship ending, the the fallout of that. And the, the story is kind of told in, in three parts. And what's kind of cool about it or, or different is each chapter of the three chapters is told from a different character's point of view. And I thought that was quite a, a different and new way to tell this sort of story.
1: Oh, it really is. And I, I absolutely love movies uh, and, and TV shows that, that essentially, I guess, as you sort of put it, just show the same scene or either repeated, or from, or from different angles, or, or that kind of thing. So things like Hog Day, um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, kind of. Um, there was a Star Trek episode called Cause and Effect, which played the scene over and over. It's, and in this case, The Last Jewel was showing that. The same thing three times, but from three different perspectives, as you say. And I thought that was really good. That really appealed to me. I really enjoyed it. And just watching each scene player and just the subtleties of of facial expressions that were different depending on each person's point of view and and who offered their handshake first and who who was who reacted over emotionally in each situation. I loved all of that. I thought it was I thought it was really well done. And my I guess I'll jump straight in with a question, Dan. I why did this movie, from a box office perspective, flop? Because it's got all the ingredients for me. It's got, f- yeah, you know, it's got four big names. Reddy Scott directing. It's a genre that's always a strong draw card. I mean, what's the deal?
0: I would hazard a guess that, you know, so watching this in the comfort of my own home was fantastic because I could pause, get a snack, bathroom break as required. Yeah, um, I. Could take a little break if I needed. I was comfortable, and I wonder whether at the movies, looking at the trailer for this movie, looking at kind of the way it's kind of um, portrayed, as you probably think you're in for a real Ridley Scott action fest, and this movie is much more of a a drama storytelling piece with some big action moments, but it's about build up to those scenes, and I wonder whether the the fatigue and maybe frustration as people thought they were coming into a, a real kind of like epic war movie. Right. And and it wasn't that for them. Maybe when they they sat down and watched it. I
1: I guess people would discover that after they've bought the ticket and then be like, oh that wasn't what I expected because you know, Endgame end game, as we just talked about earlier, you know, that was three hours long. And of course that is action packed all the way through, no doubt. Um, I guess maybe the critics got the word out on the street that this isn't maybe what you're thinking you know those pre-reviews that come out it's it's look it's it's interesting because I think watching it at home is definitely the the right option I um I I I enjoyed this one for what it was I won't attempt to repeat the French names that you used essentially we've got jason Bourne and carlo ren fighting over killing eve whilst bruce wayne is getting drunk in the background and watching the last duel for me will go down in history is the movie where matt damon finally finds his best look this is how i want matt damon to look in every movie from this point forward with that mullet and little goatee i mean what an extraordinary look for him it was
0: uh, so, I think yeah, there's some interesting things when you talk about these characters, right? Like, I think we've definitely got to give a real special shout out to Jodie Como um, from mm. Killing Eve. Like, she is just fantastic, such a fantastic actress. And I think one of my favourite characters in this movie. I really enjoyed uh, Adam Driver, or Kylo, let's call him Kylo Ren, for the sake of our review. I think he is a fantastic actor, and I think he brings so much emotion and rage. And you could have easily converted his sword into Kylo Ren's lightsaber, yes. and it would have worked just as well. And I'm, I'm, I imagine that's probably out there on the, on YouTube somewhere. But I imagine it's fantastic because he's just, I feel like he's a actor who would, if you're in a fight scene with him. I imagine you are fully in it, and he's like fighting you as hard as he possibly can because that's the craft, and that's what he, you know, he wants to portray the, the fear and the violence. And he's a big unit, so oh yeah, so good on him. I think you're right about um, Matt Damon. Like he's got such a different look from any other movie he had. Like he kind of just looks like such a a barbarian thug in this movie, and it's it's kind of. Every now and again, I'd kind of just like, oh, it's Matt Damon. It yeah. just kind of would like make, make me laugh. But the character that made me kind of like cringe the most, I've got to be yeah. honest, is uh, Ben Affleck yeah. with his blonde hair and blonde goatee. Like it it was a lot. It, it,
1: it's a lot. Well, yeah, oh, it was too much. And I think watching Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together, of course, after their history of so many movies back in the day and it's coming together again, their scenes together, I mean, I would love to see some outtakes because I don't know how... At, well, actually, I don't know how either of them could have looked at each other and taken each other seriously with both their looks, to be honest. I think they must have had a, a, a great time with that. But I agree, just to go back, I agree with everything you've said. Jodie Comer is extraordinary in this she is very very powerful she she we've already seen her in killing eve so good at doing so many different accents as well you know because if you ever see on a chat show and, and that natural liverpool scouse accent comes out it's quite jolting actually and, and and she 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 nails it in this one and also what you said about adam driver extraordinary his voice the more i see him the more i think he has in his locker i guess i guess i just always worried that after the Last jedi no matter what i see him and i'll always think of of Ren but he he really differentiates himself from that uh, iconic role his voice in this is is very very different from that very distinctive Ren voice and he's an intense actor and I think he just strikes me as someone who will have a massive career ahead of him for like the next 30 or 40 years I don't, I don't know he's he's very very capable and he's he's not you know, when you look at the names, he's not the top billing, but I feel like he's probably the, the biggest gun that will come out of, of this when history looks back on all of these actors.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I think you're right. Like, it's whenever I see Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together, I do think, like, they're just like – like, they're such bros, right? And they're – but at the same time, they're both pretty intense actors. Like, yeah. I have seen a few sort of behind the scenes, and Matt Damon – that guy doesn't F around when it comes to like what he wants on camera. He's a he's an angry man, and I imagine between them, you know, here we are mocking um, Batman's blonde hair. but I imagine it's very serious and very business time for those guys. And I imagine you know both Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were behind the um, the screenplay. Yes, this. that's so, right. Um, it's yeah, it's look. I thought this was good. I think. It's a good movie, but don't go into it thinking you're gonna be watching two and a half hours of Jewels. Of this is the last jewel. And I think it's also uh, I don't know reminder's the right word, but how how violent mm. those jewels could be. And like, you know, you you know, remember the movie with um, Heath Ledger and they're sort of like having jewels. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. the last last night I think it was. Yeah. And it's all just kind of like, you know, there's queen music in the background, it's good fun. This is this is not good fun. No. This is like I'm going to destroy you with my um with my lance until the until all my lances are broken and then I'm gonna use every other weapon at my disposal until only one of us is standing. Yeah.
1: And it's it's to the death. Oh, it really is. And that's that fight scene at the end is well, it, the the R rating for this movie is there for a number of reasons, but that fight scene, the the death. I mean, if you're listening to this review, we're gonna obviously there's a few spoilers here, but this is a movie that is not for everyone, and it does contain some some really brutal, quite shocking scenes. Possibly the most of that nature since you and I reviewed the the Nightingale, I would dare say. Mm. Um, and what it does well though is because it starts off. With the last jewel, and then it cuts away, and it immediately goes back in time, and it jumps about quite a lot. What it, what it means is, by the time you go back to that jewel and you you can't sort of come full circle, you're now really invested in the in in that jewel, and so it delivers not only on the action, but then you've got that emotional intensity of how you feel about what's about to take place and what the consequences of that are. So, for me, I I, I thought this was a really strong movie. I came into it sort of. You know, aware of all of the criticism and whatever and I, I came out the other side thinking I, I think this will be judged in years to come as, as, as quite a masterpiece there's some wonderful scenic shots as you'd expect with a Ridley Scott scene uh, sorry, a Ridley Scott film some of those scenes are, are extraordinary some of the, and again as you said to be able to do that in the current COVID pandemic environment is, uh, is amazing I think
0: I think the other thing that's um, really interesting with this movie is the whole um, Rationale behind the the DAPs the dark subject matter of um, Matt Damon's wife being raped is it's almost this is the disturbing but it's not even like it's about the rape but it's actually about it's about property mm, and it's about mm. you know women back in in the thirteen hundreds weren't you know weren't deemed the same same rights as a man and it was like actually someone has. Has attacked or damaged your property. Yes, which is the such the messed up thing about it. Like
1: it really is messed wild up. Wild times, Paul. It, it it really is, and it's. I don't. You know, I don't want to dive too deep into that. But when you when you see that, when you see these three things, three perspectives. When you see it from the perspective of Adam Driver, who's been accused, and you see his perspective, I was anticipating his perspective being a lot. Uh, given that we were seeing it through his eyes, I thought it was going to be something that he would see differently. But even through his eyes, it is quite clear that this is a crime that he has committed, the most brutal of crimes. And so thus, when you come into the the last duel, I'm um, team Damon the whole way and, and you, you just don't know which way it's going to go.
0: No, no, it's, um, it's yeah, no, this is a, it's different, but I think it's, if you're up for it, I think it's worth a watch. It, it, and I think it is just that, like, don't expect full action all the time, but if you're interested in the story um, and interested in something a little bit different, I think it's 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 a good watch. I don't know whether it's one to watch with the wider with the parents as we often talk about, but
1: and also who not knows. also not a Christmas movie,
0: not a Christmas movie. But I, I you know I'd probably give this I'd give this three guns Paul.
1: Yeah, I I would come in the same as you. Yeah, three guns for me, which is is, is higher than it's averaging on most websites. It seems.
0: Yeah, good times that you can watch that here on Neon in New Zealand. Indeed. All right, shall I take us on over to the news desk? So there's not a lot to talk about um, this week and sort of the the build-up to Christmas. I feel like most things are kind of out and known at the moment. But so the first thing is the Fresh Prince of Balear reboot, will be starting on super bowl sunday no time's been given yet but that's looks like we're going to get a a february 13th premiere of that tv show i have no idea what that means for uh the wider world outside of america but it looks like that tv show is I guess, all set to go and it'll be interesting to see whether this whole new take on the fresh prince of Bel um universe is is you know going to meet the hype that it's been leading up to
1: it's it's really got a lot to live up to a lot of legacy and I think having that reunion so recently has, has re- reinforced that in people's minds so it's 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 got a lot to live up to you're right
0: um, what else we got here we've got um, Henry Cavell um, has recently just sort of talked to the media about how in The Witcher season 2 which is out now on Netflix um, almost derailed his career so he suffered a, a pretty bad injury in that film and he was he basically tore his hamstring and he thought that was going to have a major impact on some of his future action work because Henry Cavill does a lot of his own stunts and I think you know when you're the the more of your own stunts that you can do I think the often the better the job and the better the you know the less CGI and stuff that needs to kind of be applied so um, for him to sort of be worried about it to that level I think probably speaks to the the seriousness of that accident um, and he's also said to talk about the Witcher season 3 which I think is is great and I I believe we're in for about seven seasons of the Witcher so very exciting for anyone who's a fan of that universe uh, Disney is working on a a, Goofy, a goonies TV show uh, which will be coming to a Disney plus um, it's sort of a, a bit of a, a goonies inspired drama. I don't know about you, Paul, I'm a huge Goonies fan. I'll definitely be checking out this show. I hope that it's kind of, you know, the Goonies always kind of hit that um, that sort of sweet spot for me where I can still watch it as an adult and have a hell of a good time. And I, I hope they do that with this TV show. Like, I hope it's not pitched too much. It's just the, the, the pure young audience but um yeah i'm intrigued i'll definitely be checking it out
1: i'll be keen to see how they pitch that as well like uh, in my mind i'd like to think they'd have a somehow a stranger things vibe somehow in amongst that
0: yeah yeah um and then the last bit of news and i'm not going to go too deep on this because you know judge for yourself but a few reviews have started to come out about the matrix uh resurrections and it's not looking great paul i i it's not like lo- it's it's looking average and it's looking like a few of the reviews are saying it's a whole bunch of sort of i loose ideas that sometimes work together and sometimes don't and i think this has always been my biggest fear with this like we've already had a couple of uh you know the matrix the first movie fantastic game changer ahead of its time matrix 2 matrix 3 we're okay, but never, ever quite lived up to the hype of the first movie. And coming back to a fourth movie, oh, it's, it's it's high risk. And I'll tell you, it's kind of dulled my desire to want to see this in the theatre. We'll, we'll see how we go over the Christmas break, but yep. it's... Hopefully, these are just some early reviews. Hopefully, maybe things get better. Maybe it'll be one of those situations where the critic review is much harsher than the audience review. But I think one to maybe just keep an eye on and keep those expectations in check
1: yeah i i think on the basis of that maybe watching it at home when it comes to the streaming services might might lessen the blow if it is the case maybe we'll be looking back on on reloaded and revolutions and saying oh actually they were pretty good who knows it is it's disappointing to hear but at the same time just like as we just talked about with the last duel, it's kind of like sometimes when I hear these things, then when I watch something, I have a better experience. Sometimes it's the opposite for me, you know, sometimes something gets majorly hyped up and, you know, then you, you watch it and it turns out, you know, like six days, seven nights, majorly hyped up, maybe didn't deliver.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Anything. So that's all on my news sport. anything on your end.
1: Uh, just a couple of things. Um, this was one that you actually told me about offline, Dan. Um, New Year will start for us with season three of Afterlife from Ricky Gervais, which just got announced, and uh, I think that's just that's a great way to start the year. One of our favourite shows over the last couple of years. Um, and the other thing,
0: to the Gen is um, is uh, that oh, when it releases.
1: This, this you're bringing that news desk expertise there like that. Um, the other thing which we've we talked about a little bit, and I haven't read any of the articles because I I do want to stay away from it completely, but. 1883. Yellowstone has had the biggest debut for a new show since 2015. So it's it's getting a lot of watches, and it seems to be it seems to be going in well. And I, I I see where this I can see you're loading up the gun again.
0: No no no, I'm, I'm not coming. Like we all we all know the situation. Come on, Paramount Plus, get it and get it global. Um, I think what's just interesting to me, and I think what's so awesome is I feel like Yellowstone wasn't on any radars at all for us and then all of a sudden bam like we watched it we're hyped about it we're singing its praises we're telling people we're encouraging people to watch it and now everyone's talking Yellowstone and I feel like the hype of Yellowstone is so big and I just wonder whether it's a tv show where like it'll be interesting to maybe a bit of a survey or something around it whether most people came in late to it like came in and sort of watched you know I had two seasons or three seasons to watch um because I don't know anyone who watched it from the start? Um, sort of in my network anyway.
1: Yeah. So um. So yeah. So there we go. Um. That's all I have myself. Other than that, then if I take us over quickly to our mailbag. Um. So last week you and I uh, reviewed our movie of the week, which was the the little things. We had um a few few comments on on that one. Our regular contributor Sador also commented on the little thing saying that he was disappointed he liked what they were trying to do subverting the serial killer movie a little bit but because they did that it made for a very unsatisfying ending uh, interesting that they did that but it wasn't good enough to have that ending in my opinion most movies even if the ending is unsatisfying um it's the journey that really can decide whether or not it's going to be a success, and um, you know, a film kind of lives or dies with a good or bad ending. And it's interesting because we talked about that movie and how much we enjoyed it, and the ending of it, sort of the the direction it went, just being a, a little different. So appreciate uh, your comment on that, Sador. Uh, then you mentioned last week about when I was talking about Moonraker, your you know, sort of inability to watch some of the James Bond movies as not many of them are on streaming services. Well, um. Mike from Palmerston North is feeling that pain. Um, he was in the mailbag the other week as he'd started a rewatch with with the family. And yeah, he's discovered that once he finishes the Daniel Craig movies, just like you mentioned, Dan, he says he has none to watch. So we need another streaming services. Can we get like an, an MGM Plus or Sony? Where's all the Sony content going these days?
0: Well, I, I do wonder if um, now that... I- uh amazon prime has brought out sort of some of the um mgm uh, products whether some of those james bond movies might end up on amazon prime at some at some point i know there was some um in early talks that the the daniel craig ones may not um for a while but some of that you can see some of those older ones definitely appearing on there and i i do know that you can track down these movies uh on apple if you look on um and i presume google if you're wanting to purchase them outright or maybe hire them
1: yeah what else have we got here um East Ender tony from dagnum he has a recommendation for us then this is trollied which is a 2011 to 2018 series 71 episodes comedy um it's set in a fictional supermarket in Warrington in the northwest of England a sitcom that puts a, a twist on one of our most familiar everyday surroundings. I quite like the sound of that actually. Um you know, I enjoyed Superstore. I quite think the British humour in a in a supermarket scenario could actually be worth a look. So um that's actually been added to the list. I quite like the sound of that one. Awesome. And then finally, last week's peak performance was uh, Ray Leoda. And we had four suggestions. And for the first time this year, so just in time before the year runs out, for the first time this year, everyone was on the same page as us, Dan. So we had Jason from Pori went with uh, Goodfellas. And uh, Norman from Roddenberry.com said, I hate to say it, but he peaked in Goodfellas as Henry Hill and he punched way above his weight holding down scenes with Pesci and De Niro. Uh, Michael from North Carolina, uh, he also went Goodfellas, honourable mention from him for The Many Saints of Newark. And then Paddy from Time Travelling Team Podcast gave us his one of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> nice find. Uh, Identity, uh, which is a movie that crops up a lot in our peak performance suggestions. And of course, number one, was Goodfellas, and that's the mailbag this week.
0: Awesome. Well, shall we head on over to our peak performances?
1: Let's go there. So, yeah, just like our movie of the week, Dan and I take it in turns each week. Choose a celebrity from the TV and movie arena and look back on their careers and try to pick out what we think is their best, their peak performance. And this week, Dan, we've gone with Amy Adams
0: we have indeed so uh amy adams for me is an interesting one and i think a lot of the movies that i've seen her in she often isn't necessarily the star she might be a a supporting character but one movie where she is the star where i'd like to give her my um, my runner-up nomination is for a movie that we reviewed here on the pod a while ago or earlier this year called the woman in the window and this is a, a netflix movie and amy adams character basically plays this this character who lives alone in her apartment um and she witnesses a disturbing act of violence and i think you know we talked about this heavily in a in an earlier episode but amy's range of emotion in this movie is is pretty incredible um i think it's you know we often talk about movies where you know it's kind of set in kind of confined um, areas and I think you've really got to work hard when it comes to that and I think she just did such a a fantastic job in this Um, she deserves all the praise for it so you can check out that movie The Woman in the Window on Netflix but for my peak performance pool I'm actually going to go with 2013's Man of Steel. And this is for Amy Adams' role as Lois and Clark. Oh, Lois and Clark. lowest Lois Lane. don't know why I was thinking of Lois and Clark. Um, I guess in my mind... I always think of Lois Lane as a little bit annoying. And for the first time in a long time uh, in The Man of Steel, I actually liked the Lois Lane character. And I think it's just kind of the, the media edge that is always Lois Lane and kind of always trying to get the story. It's just, I don't know, just frustrating. But I really enjoyed her character. I enjoyed seeing her in the... Um, the continuation of the, the Batman and Superman movies and the, uh, the Justice League, etc. So big shout out for um, Amy Adams as Lois Lane.
1: Nice. Two great shots. And I do love it when we've got all different selections. For me, uh, for my honourable mention... I've gone with the I mean she's won a lot of awards and she's been nominated a lot I've gone with one where she actually got the Oscar BAFTA and Golden Globe nomination um and and a couple of wins as well uh, for 2010's The Fighter um opposite uh, uh, Matt Wahlberg and um Chris, Christian Bale of course um and and she plays in this um Matt Wahlberg's, um you know girlfriend and and wife and it's a really intense movie and she is really intense in this as well it's kind of i don't want to say it was a breakthrough role because she had some big movies before that obviously but this is the one that really put her on the map and i thought you know again opposite two strong actors she really held her own she really made her her role stand out and i thought she was fantastic in that but my my peak performance i've actually gone with the 2016 sci-fi Arrival. Uh, and this is the the movie where she plays a, a linguist who gets sent to to, uh, to communicate with, with one of these. There's like a dozen massive extraterrestrial objects that are hovering above the earth and she gets chosen to go talk to, to one of them. And it's one of those, um, it's a Dennis Villeneuve sci-fi and, you know, he's... He, He's, he's also given us you know June and blade runner 20 so it's got that great look and she plays the lead in this movie but it's a real thinking sci-fi film it's less action than most and yeah she's really strong in the lead it's a really compelling story how she interacts with um jeremy renner's character and she worked you know we talk about method she worked with uh some actual linguists about what they would do in this scenario and brought that into the story into the script and into how she was acting with the aliens and so that gave it almost credence as well if you like but um it's also visually stunning film it's right up there for me it's a it's another very impressive movie it scores really well lots eight oscars it's one of the few blu-rays i've bought recently it really is really really good and actually just thinking about it now it's worth a rewatch but yeah those are my nominations dan the fighter and arrival
0: good chap, paul and ironically i've seen neither of those movies the the fighter has long been on my list of movies to watch i'm a big christian bale fan um and arrival was always kind of for all the reasons that you just mentioned, has been of interest, but I've just never
1: got around to watching it. I've never really been a boxing fan, but I always get something at a lot of boxing movies I find actually quite intense and quite quite powerful, and I think you have definitely got like that. And Arrival, yeah, uh, sort of that Blade Runner, Dune look that Villeneuve brings, but a real thinking, yeah. It, it's Like I said, it got eight nominations for Oscars, that one. it. I feel like the reviews you know, speak for themselves, 94% Rotten Tomatoes, um, it's yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray you've got a Blu-ray player, right then?
0: Do I? Do I have anything that takes this these days? <laughs> I don't even know, it's all it's all through the through the interwebs Well Paul, that probably just about brings us to the end of another episode of the Half measures Podcast
1: It does indeed, thank you for listening into this episode and I presume we get the next couple of weeks off Dan, is that right?
0: Um. Well A few people do, but not us at the Half Measures Podcast. We will be here every week for you, the same time, same channel, bringing you that Half Measures goodness every Friday, 4pm New Zealand time. Wow. Be here
1: or be square. Same bat time, same bat channel. So yeah, we'll still be there. If you do want to get in touch with us, halfmeasurespodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Pod
0: also a very special shout out to our patreon producers Samara King Trisha Brady Dinah Kanawa and Linda Tevner we appreciate all of your support throughout the year um, you are the producers of this podcast if you too would like to become a producer then you can find the notes to do that um, in our patreon links in the show notes below I'd also like to give a very special shout out to mr. Kanawa. happy birthday <laughs> um, Wow. So, yeah, look, you know, if you've listened all the way to the end, write in with a, a happy birthday for Mr. Kanawa. We, uh, we would all really appreciate that. Um, and whatever you're doing for this uh, holiday break, whether you have to work or whether you um, are getting some time off with your friends and family, be safe. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we will see you soon. Until next time, everyone. Adios.